going on everyone and welcome back to the podcast for 2021. My name's Ari and it's great to be here as always. The High Republic has finally begun. We've got two new books and a comic. I can't wait to talk about them. Uh, so far, the new era of storytelling is fantastic. It's refreshing. I'm loving it. Uh, but before we get into all of that, you may have noticed, and if you don't already know, the podcast and all my socials have uh, changed from Star Wars Analyst into Star Wars Exchange. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about it, but I'll just give you the general gist. I've sort of uh, talked about it on Instagram quite a bit. But yeah, look, it's been a long time coming and I'm glad uh, it's finally over and done with. I'll just say before I sort of start explaining myself that um, this doesn't mean anything's changing, whether I'm Star Wars Analyst or Star Wars Exchange. I'm still going to be running things the exact same as I always have. Um, But the name change, you know, look, there's a couple reasons. Um, The one reason is that well, there's, there's another Star Wars analyst out there, which I won't really get into much about him, but he makes a lot of people angry. So, uh, look, I get a lot of messages from people thinking that I'm him. Um, so I just need to put that to rest because it's getting really annoying. And look, the new name, it just feels more original. There's no one else out there with uh, called Styles Exchange. Um, and that that's something that I, I really want to have. Um, and also, yeah, I think it just suits the vibe of this podcast especially, but also, you know, my Instagram page and all that. Um, because I, I don't really go and analyze Star Wars. I just, it's just an exchange, you know, I just talk about it. It's its just a discussion, you know, an exchange, if you will. So um, yeah, look, I'm super excited to, you know, enter this new era of the podcast. Hopefully I never have to go through a name change again, um, but I look, can't wait for all the Star Wars content uh, to be enjoyed and all the conversations to be had in the years to come. So uh, with that, out of the way, uh, let's talk about the High Republic. So Light of the Jedi is going to be my main focus for today. I'm going to give some spoiler-free thoughts on it uh, for anyone that hasn't read it, and then I'm going to go full spoilers um, like I did with Mandalorian uh, episodes, just sort of break it all down, talk about everything that happened and my thoughts on it. Um, If you haven't read the book, um, I really would highly highly recommend you do before you listen, but if you know you're not going to read it, Um, have a listen anyway but if you haven't read it you may not understand a lot of the things I'm talking about because I'm not going to be super clear about it but if you've read the book you'll know exactly what I'm talking about I assume so anyway let's start with my spoiler free thoughts Um, as you can probably already tell I love this book it's my second favorite Star Wars book I've ever read behind Dark Disciple um, which is I've read a lot of Star Wars books in my time so uh, yeah, look, the, the book is split into three parts. Um, part one is my favorite. Uh, I don't give anything ever really 10 out of 10, but if I was going to give something 10 out of 10, it would be part one of this book because I enjoyed it so much. Um, not to say part two and three are bad at all. I enjoyed, uh, the whole book, but part one really just drew me in. So, um, yeah, look, the book is so interesting. You, you would think that, uh, Charles Soul, who by the way, uh, is the author, did a fantastic job. You would think that he wrote this book during the pandemic, but um, he definitely didn't. He said that, you know, that uh, he wrote it all before COVID even began, but there are so many real world parallels in terms of what's going on right now with COVID, um, which is just crazy. But uh, yeah, it was like super sort of topical, I guess, which just added to the the storytelling. But um, yeah, look, all the characters are fantastic and they are probably my favorite part of the story. The the overall plot is great, but the characters, especially the Jedi, are just really, they're, they're quite refreshing. It's a, it's a very new take on um, the Star Wars galaxy and the Jedi specifically, I think. Um, Charles Soule has done a lot of work uh, with comics, Star Wars comics. So um, 
he's hinted at it in that content before, but he really sort of nailed it down in this book, I'd say. Um, the Nile, who are the villains, are really fun. Like, they are some of the coolest Star Wars villains we've ever had. Um, they're genuinely very intimidating. I found myself not knowing what they would do because they're very unpredictable, um, which is great because it keeps you on your toes and uh, keeps you reading. I pretty much read this book all in one sitting. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, the, the only real issue I'd say I have with the book is the complexity, which is also sort of a good thing. But um, part one, which I said is a 10 out of 10 for me, for people that aren't, um, you know, really willing to pay as much attention to the book as, you know, a diehard like myself is, um, it, it can, it might feel very out of place. And since I read the whole thing just in one sitting, um, at part one specifically, the, um, it, it, I never had that feeling of putting the book down and then picking it up and not knowing what, what was going on. But I've spoken to a few people that have felt like that and I could definitely see how that could be an issue. But I'd say, um, toward the end of the book, they're, they're, they're sort of, becomes a clear structure in terms of you're like, okay, now we're back with these characters and you're much more familiar. But at the start, they do sort of just throw a lot of names at you, a lot of Jedi, a lot of, you know, captains, admirals, all that. It is something I like though, because he is, he's world building, you know, he's building this world of the High Republic and doing a very good job at it. But um, yeah, there, there are a lot of characters and events to remember. And I found sometimes I'd be like, okay, because I, 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 I'm writing notes while I'm reading the book. So I'd write down pretty much every new name that would come across. And I'd say probably three quarters of them had not really any relevance. And then a quarter of them were very important. So, um, but I think you'll start to pick up the ones that keep coming up, you know, uh, every chapter or, or every second chapter or something. But yeah, that's honestly all I uh, can really say about the book without spoiling it. I'll give the overall rating now just so that uh, uh, those who are going to stop this uh, podcast now and go read the book. No, I, I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. I thought it was fantastic. As I said, part one really blew me away. Um, it just, I'm so glad that uh, I'm enjoying The High Republic because this is going to be about half, I'd say, of the um, of the books and the comics that are going to come out for the next five or so years. So if I wasn't enjoying it um, from the start, it would be a bit tricky and it would be a lot of content that I would miss out on um, just because, you know, if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not going to pick up every book. But um, I can definitely say from here, I'm going to be picking up every single High Republic book that comes my way because the uh, the five authors that sort of created this world have outdone themselves. It's it's fantastic and I can't wait for everyone to have read it. But uh, yeah, here is the spoiler warning. Um, I'm going to go into all the details. So if you haven't read the book, uh, shut this off and go read it. It's fantastic. Um, but if you know you're not going to read it, uh, stick around if you want. I'm going to go through everything that happened and, uh, and give my thoughts about it. Um, so yeah, Let's start with part one, uh, which I can't remember exactly what it's called, but I, in my mind, I, I, I'm just calling it the Great Disaster because that's what happens. So um, straight off the bat in chapter one, uh, we're introduced to the Legacy Run. It's carrying around 9,000 people, I think was the total that they gave us. Um, but it crashes into an object while they're in hyperspace. Um, uh, and we, I sort of thought, okay, that was very interesting. Because I, I was like, was that the, the Great uh, Disaster, you know, a couple thousand people die, which obviously is a great disaster. But in terms of a galaxy, I was thinking, you know, I don't know if the whole galaxy would feel like that was a, a massive disaster. Anyway, turns out the pieces of the ship continue to travel through hyperspace. 
um, going into random spots, uh, crashing into planets and all that, which they haven't yet, but that's what was uh, going to happen. Um, and so a lot of the pieces are headed to the Hetzal system, which has a population of 4 billion people. Um, and this has potential to kill pretty much all of them. So um, a piece of the legacy run comes out of hyperspace and destroys a control station in the Hetzal system. Um, but I think they're able to sort of warn the leadership of the system and all that. So yeah, we're introduced to a character called uh, Kevin Tarr. He's a technician. Uh, he becomes quite important throughout the story. Uh, in terms of, you know, tracking down all the pieces and all that. Um, I found him very interesting, and I, I'd imagine there's going to be a lot more content coming out uh, surrounding him because uh, he's very smart, as we saw. Um, but yeah, Minister Eka, who I assume is the leader of the system, sends out a message to the people um, saying that they're all in danger. Um, and what was interesting is they didn't have defenses for this because... Uh, they didn't feel the need since they were at peace. The whole system, you know, needed to be evacuated because it was in danger, but some people didn't believe it and acted like it wasn't happening. Most people tried to just rush out of the system and fights started to break out and the system was in chaos. So yeah, this really reminded me of, of the start of COVID. I feel like, you know, just sort of the panic, some people going, oh no, this isn't real. Um, I'm not going to get, <laughs> I don't want to talk about COVID on this podcast, but I'm saying that's definitely what, what struck me immediately. It was like, wow, this feels like you know the real world in star wars um anyway though ava chris enters the story who is uh I'd, I'd say the main character of this story she's a very cool character who i think um is going to be in loads of high republic content going forward uh which is great but uh ava sort of reaches out through the force to see what uh can be done to save the system and then in a few chapters we're introduced to a lot of characters uh bell zedifar being one of them who's a human jedi padawan uh, he was by far my favorite character in the story. Um, not to say anything bad about the other characters. I just really connected with him. Uh, he's very well written and uh, he has a dog, the Star Wars equivalent at least. Uh, and the concept out of him is, is awesome. So, so yeah, really enjoy that character. And uh, his master, Loden Greatstorm, um, is a Twi'lek Jedi, also a fantastic character. Um, but yeah, we, we sort of see the dynamic between these two uh, Loden sort of really pushes Zedifar, um, you know, to his limits, teaching him through this disaster, you know, while they're dealing with it. Because pretty much when we're first introduced to them, we see that uh, they need to um, go and they need to sense where the danger is or something like that. And Loden just leaves it up to Bell, and he gets a bit frustrated being like, oh, you're seriously training me now, you know, while all these billions of lives are on the line. Um, but, you know, that's just the way of the Jedi, I suppose. But uh, yeah, and then there's a sort of a side plot where this a crew is going to save a satellite um, because it has seven people in there, um, and the the satellite sort of helps with the system f and all their farming and and their farming bacta, which is obviously important because uh, that's you know it's like medication in in Star Wars. So um, yeah, and sort of not what I expected to see, you know, the origins of bacta, but um, I'm pretty sure it's bacta at least. Um, but yeah, that was, that was really cool to be honest. And anyway, that side plot, uh, ends up with, uh, that, that main character of it, um, sacrificing himself to save, um, all the people in that ship, um, which was, you know, very cool. I enjoyed it a lot, but didn't have, um, too much, uh, meaning to the, to the overall story. We're also introduced to characters like, uh, Tiami and, 
Boryega, I think is how you say his name, who's a, who's a Wookiee Jedi. Um, he's very cool. He uh, has this relationship with his master, which I really like, um, because his master is human, but can speak Shri Wook. Um, which, you know, making the noises with his mouth and all that, which most humans can't. We see Han do it in uh, Solo, though. Um, but most of the Jedi can't actually understand Boyega ever, which is, you know, quite interesting for him. I um, I want to know more about that, you know, because that must be pretty challenging. But, um, yeah, I really liked that about him. But uh, uh, he actually realizes that there are people alive in the objects by sensing their fear. Um, so he sort of saves all of them, I guess, because uh, that they don't get saved straight away. But... Um, if he didn't sense them, maybe no one else would have. The Force is portrayed in a really cool way uh, in this whole story, which I was talking about um, earlier with Charles Soule and the way he sort of writes it. Um, like, for example, the way Ava perceives it is is a song, um, and I can't remember other specific examples, but it was like um, so-and-so sees it as the ocean, so-and-so sees it as a tree or like something like that. And so uh, the Force is sort of singing to Ava, Chris, you could say, and... Um, all she can hear is fear, which is very telling of the situation there is. Um, I heard 53 Jedi vectors were in, uh, active in the system. So, uh, that's, you know, another 30 odd that we didn't even hear the name of. Um, hopefully there's some sort of visual guide or something that shows us all the Jedi. I would love that. Ava then sort of introduces us, uh, to a friend of hers, uh, her oldest and closest friend in the order, Elzar Mann, who becomes pretty integral to the story later on. Uh, something interesting about him, he never liked to use the force the same way twice, which I still don't entirely how that would work. Like, does it mean he uses force push once and then he can never do that again? I don't think so. I'm just, uh, wondering exactly what that means, but it's very, it's very interesting. Um, but all the Jedi, well not all of them, but a lot of them find him super frustrating because he doesn't explain why he does what he does. He just goes about his business, which I think is really cool. We're introduced to the Chancellor, Chancellor Lena So, who has a line that she constantly says, which is, we are all the Republic, which is repeated about 300 times in the book. But no, nah, I think it's cool. It's, it's sort of the, this is the way of the High Republic, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, Ava gets her crew to find a way to rescue the people in the objects and all the Jedi pretty much figure out a way um, to stop the disaster for the most part, but there's still a lot of lives lost. Like, um, one of the objects crashes into four ships, wiping out thousands of people. Um, but, uh, yeah, Ava sort of senses that something's missing and that is that there is a, an object flying into a star that will just get vaporized, but she senses that it's Tabana gas pretty much. Uh, and that would destroy the whole system if they, if it came into contact with the star. Um, so then, in probably the most awesome sequence of the book, probably my favorite sequence in a book ever. I've never felt so immersed in a Star Wars book like this, but the Jedi find a way to stop um, it from happening by uh, pretty much Ava starts it by sitting down, meditating, thinking about it because she can't move it herself, like as in move it out of the way of the star. But if all the Jedi helped, they could do it. So um, uh, yeah, they all stay and meditate in their ships or wherever they are. Um, to help her and she says all of the Jedi were the force and the force was all of them um, but yeah in the process of this like we see Luke die in the last Jedi from the effort of using that much sort of force I don't like putting it like that but I don't know how else to say it um, so they even say three Jedi die in the, pro in the process of trying to move it and they thought they'd succeeded but they didn't so uh, a lot of them just fell unconscious after the first attempt because it was just too much for them but um, yeah and then there's 
even more Jedi. Jedi from all over the galaxy, they say even the ones at Coruscant, even Yoda on his little mission, um, they all sit and meditate and help move this object. Um, and lots of the Jedi are dying from helping this effort, which is pretty dark. But um, And I wish they sort of gave a bit more detail about you know, who and why and how is this all happening, but they end up succeeding nonetheless, and uh, the system is saved, so we thought, but um, turns out the events were broadcast to the entire galaxy, uh, which, yeah, cool, I don't know how that, that happened, but uh, I guess it was. it's good to see, you know, the whole galaxy sort of uniting, but um, yeah, one of the objects did end up uh, hitting a planet, and it said destroyed, like, 20 million people, and I don't know if this was just me, but I felt like nobody cared about this. And there's another part where something similar happens at the end of uh, the book or toward the end where 1.2 billion people die and no one really seems to say anything. They're like, oh, we wouldn't want that to happen again. But that's all they sort of say about it. There's nothing much else is said. And I'm like, that's a lot of people. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess it's similar with Alderaan, you know. There's then an interlude called The Nile, which, uh, you know, has them described and introduced. And like I said in the spoiler-free part, they are are very scary. Like, they're great villains. But, uh, yeah, that's part one, and that was fantastic. Let's start talking about part two. The story starts to get a bit more structure here. There's sort of, I'd say, three main stories. Um, The first is Bell and Loden with uh, all their business, and then there's... Ava and Elza, um, and they deal with, you know, the Santekas tracking the remaining pieces, all that sort of stuff. And then there's Marchion Row and um all that all the Nile business, I guess. But uh let's let's go through it. So we start with a meeting um conducted by Lena So. Uh she meets with a bunch of people uh on the one spot left on Coruscant where you can see its original typography, which I thought was super cool because Obviously, this is 200-odd years before Phantom Menace, and the uh, the whole planet is just complete city then, so um, that was a very nice detail, but uh, it said that she has two cat guards who follow her um, everywhere, and I didn't realise this because I hadn't seen her concept art yet, but I looked, her up, looked it up pretty much straight away, and yeah, it looks fantastic, and then um, this was a massive surprise. I had, like, I wasn't like, oh my god, insane, but I was very surprised that Yarl Poof was, was alive uh, in the High Republic, so that means he must be, you know, more than 200 years old when we see him in Phantom Menace, which, uh, we never actually got an age for him, so, yeah, that was super interesting, but a very nice surprise, I thought Yoda would be the only one, and then now they start to talk about, uh, the Starlight Beacon, and how, uh, Jorah Mali is set to become the marshal of it, I suppose, like, sort of the leader, but yeah, the, the Starlight Beacon becomes really important later on in the story, but, uh, yeah, the Chancellor is pretty much just very worried that if hyperspace can't be fixed, that uh, the Republic will be gone. So, yeah, then uh, we are here. The Santeca clan is coming into the story, which was a very pleasant surprise because I feel like they did a lot of setup in Force Awakens with um, the Church of the Force and, you know, all that stuff with Law Santeca. But yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised um, to hear we're getting uh, some of them in the story. But also, they're actually very much more important than we thought they would be. Um, but yeah, then we are introduced to the sort of, I can't remember exactly what they called themselves, but it was like the Council of the Nihil, um, I guess, that's that's just what I'm calling them. Um, but it's made up of Pan Eater, Lorna D, Cassive, and then uh, they were all guided by the I, who is Marchion Ro. And Marchion Ro is, um, it was, you know, one of my favourite parts of this book, a fantastic character, and he provides them with secret hy- hyperspace lanes, and their base is actually called No Space, 
and um, that no one knows how to get there except for them. So, yeah, and also uh, in this, uh, the main chapter about the Nihil, uh, the start of part two, they talk about all the drugs and stuff that they're doing. And, um, you know, death sticks were mentioned, which gave me a good chuckle. But then we're back with Loden and Bell, who are practicing jumping off cliffs of all things, which are comes full circle by the end of the story. But, um, yeah, they're on Elfrona, uh, uh, I think is how you say it. Uh, it's an outpost. Um, it's actually from the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, which, of course, is written by Charles Soule. So he would have wrote that after the, uh, after Light of the Jedi, I assume. Um, so threw it in there. But, uh, yeah, it was fun to read about it in its prime, that was for sure. They actually also talk about how um, there, there are Jedi outposts everywhere, like on Mon Cala and Kashyyyk and stuff, which... Um, from what I know, at least, I don't think we've ever seen those outposts, but that would be really cool, especially like the Kashyyyk one. I'd love to see what that looks like. But um, yeah, anyway, the, the Nile are attacking a house not too far away from where Loden and Bell are, but it, you know, it's on the same planet. Bell and uh, Loden are actually joined by two other Jedi, uh, one called uh, Indeed Row, I think is how you say it, and the other Porter Engel, who's a, a 300 plus year old uh, Jedi and uh, very wise, sort of the Yoda of the story, I would say. Um, but yeah, Bell also has a dog called Ember, uh, who is a charhound in the Star Wars universe. I guess they call him that because his fur is like the color of charcoal. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. If you haven't seen the concept art for it, you should go check it out. Um, but yeah, like I said, Bell's one was definitely my favorite uh, character from this book. But uh, yeah, then back to Elza and Ava who are working together and they're on Naboo talking to a couple of sand techers um and this is what one of them says they say hyperspace is not like real space once a ship or anything else enters it there's no way to encounter anything which we find out is actually wrong um and that you're in a bubble of space time that nothing else can interact with because each lane is as far as they can tell its own distinct plane of existence which wow like that's a that is a lot of information about hyperspace we sort of already knew some of that stuff but um uh, interesting to see the way they're talking about it back in the High Republic at least. But uh, yeah, then uh, they're looking for information, um, Elza and Ava that is, and they can't really get much, but the Santekas do agree to help them out. Um, Elza thinks they are hiding something, which they are. Um, so yeah, it turns out to be their uh, ancestor uh, called Mari Santeca. So yeah, uh, here is where we find out that Martian Rowe um, gets the secret hyperspace lanes charted by Mario Santeca and she's been alive for well over a century it says she's been in a back to tank equivalent tapped into a system to show the hyperspace lanes she can see and yeah uh Marcia's Rose family kidnapped her as when she was much younger and have had um her for quite a while um she has secret groups mapped out in her head for all over the galaxy and yeah I think this is going to be something that uh carries on throughout the whole of the High Republic um but I think this will probably be how we find how the galaxy sort of finds all the other hyperspace lanes by the end of the story i assume um they'll have it on some usb equivalent to star wars or you know something like that or mari will just tell them herself but i feel like she's gonna die sometime soon because um she's getting very old uh and it even says she's like yeah she's the oldest human in the galaxy um but yeah then bell and his crew go to save uh the family that at the house there's um the parents and then two children one girl one boy um and they're on these horses who are called like the steely uh which was cool actually one of the front covers of the book if you buy like the deluxe edition has uh that on the front cover but yeah the family from the house just gets <laughs> captured by the nihil 
Uh, but yeah, then we're with Cassiv and his crew, and we're sort of introduced. Um, actually, they, they introduced this uh, Gungan called Wet Bud, who I find so funny. Like, I don't know, Gungans always in my head have just been the most innocent things like ever. So the fact that one of them is like a Nihil, and you know, these Nihil are obviously so dangerous and criminals and all that. So um, I found that pretty funny. But yeah, uh, while looking for uh, sort of emergences, like, you know, where the remaining objects of the um, Legacy Runner have gone to, uh, Cassiv accidentally kills 1.2 billion people because some guy on his crew missed the shot to, like, block off the piece. Anyway, so, and this was just, like, I didn't really feel this moment, like, oh no, like, 1.2 billion people just died. I was like, that guy is just an idiot. And then also, throughout the rest of the book, they barely talk about this. And I feel like it was pretty important and they sort of just brushed over it. Like someone later on says, oh, like we wouldn't want that to happen again. But yeah, I don't know. The minister says something like, you know, we're not going to forget this. And uh, that definitely comes full circle by the end of the book. But uh, yeah, then uh, Kievan Tar plans a way for the Republic to track the remaining pieces. And um, that's it all presented pretty dramatically like he fails and then succeeds and then fails and the Jedi have to help him um and all that but by the end of it he claims to have sliced hyperspace so yeah good for him I guess but uh then we're back with Loden and uh Bell and all that and Porter and Porter's sort of gone off um fighting some Nihil and it's just him and he's about to die and I was thinking oh no like you know <laughs> this character's obviously been alive for quite a while it'd be sad for him to die like this but, um, yeah, then Ember, the dog, comes and saves him, which I thought was great. Uh, and then, yeah, but Porter has to stay behind on the planet because the the wife has... They, they like... I, don't, I forgot what they did, but they, they hit her and then, like, threw her off the ship um, before it was flying. And so she's, um, she's injured, but they've sort of let a hostage go, I guess you could say. But uh, yeah, then Marcio Rowe lets Cassiv stay around even after he killed like all those people. His name's all over the hollow net. Um, but yeah, Lorna D goes off uh, to, f- to find like the flight recorder because that could help them um, track the rest of the emergences or something like that. But the Republic gets there first and gets it. But uh, Tayami, who was uh, a character who was in quite a bit of the book, we never saw concept art of her or anything like that. She sacrifices herself. Um, and yeah, then the ship the Bells gang is chasing throw a little kid out of the ship who was, of course, the, the daughter from uh, the parents from the house. But then we have this full circle moment where the whole book, they're sort of talking about how Bell's never going to be able to jump off like a cliff and land and survive because, uh, you know, like, I don't know, it's like a Jedi trick that he can't quite master yet. But uh, it all comes full circle. He jumps out of the ship to save the girl and has to land successfully, obviously, with the girl and all that. So, uh, yeah, he even says something that um, I thought was really nice. He said, being a Jedi was not about saving oneself. It's about saving others. So just some, some nice child soul wisdom, I guess. Uh, the Republic finally find out that uh, the Nihil have been behind, you know, a lot of this stuff. I don't think they know that they're behind the Legacy Run stuff yet, but, um, you know, they know about them now and uh, they say that they're going to go after them and uh and then they all get the council have uh, another meeting and they all want to run besides uh Marcion Rowe and he even fights Cassiv and wins the fight which I was surprised I, I don't know why I sort of imagined him as this little sort of guy and Marcion is like this big muscly dude um but he, he cuts his hand off but still keeps him alive 
and pretty much Martian gets very pumped up and says that he's going to go to war with the Republic, uh, which is very interesting. But yeah, that was pretty much the end of part two. Uh, we then have an interlude called The Council, which is all about the Jedi. The interlude is surrounded um, around Jorah Mali, and it's her saying this is going to be her last council meeting because once she becomes marshal of the um, the Starlight Beacon, she's not going to be, you know, able to be around or anything like that. And they even talk about, you know, since uh, Yoda is away, there needs to be, like, a, a replacement, and the replacement is a Mon Calamari, which I would love to see the, uh, you know, some artwork of, of his design or something, just a Mon Calamari. Jedi makes me smile, <laughs> the thought of that. But, uh, yeah, so the Jedi are going to help the Republic fight the Nihil, which... Um, it's kind of felt like a similar moment to um, in at the start of the Clone Wars when they ag- agreed to sort of become generals and all that. Um, maybe this is the beginning of the downfall of the Jedi, I guess, um, which is super interesting. I'd I love to see some more um, sort of Jedi politics, I suppose, throughout the High Republic because we didn't get much more after this. But yeah, uh, Kasev goes on a mission that Martian sent him on. He sent Lorna Day on one as well. Uh, to get the flight recorder, which we find out this was that this was all pretty much a uh, his plan all along. Um, but a Republic fleet attacks him, and uh, they there's a big battle, but we'll get to all that in a bit. But he, uh, Admiral uh, Kronara, I think his name is, <laughs> he says a line like, uh, the huts are quiet, and the Mandalorians hadn't kicked up any trouble since before he was born. So I suppose that sort of means that Mandalore remains relatively quiet for the next for like the first 200 years before Phantom Menace or something like that. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting to hear stuff about the Mandalorians. Um, but yeah, Cussive's crew um, try to uh, run from this battle, but they can't. And uh, yeah, it, it ends up with Martian sort of sacrificing that whole fleet. You know, they, they put up a good fight and they fight very dirty as uh, as the book makes clear they sort of start to light speed skip around the place like um and they're, they're just going like hordo maneuvering uh the republic fleet in suicide attacks just cutting through them so um they end up losing the fight and a third of the nihil ends up dead because that's cassive's whole fleet um but yeah and then the full circle moment uh Cassif gets killed by the the governor of iriadu who said she was going to get uh her revenge and she definitely did um, but yeah, while all that's going on, uh, uh, Loden and Bell, um, are, you know, having a lot of moments and one of the, what, when, uh, Bell lands, Loden says that, uh, he's going to be knighted as soon as they get back to, um, Coruscant, uh, which is pretty sad given what happens at the end of the story, but, um, they're in control of the situation, but then they're attacked by a Nihil fleet. Um, and that is, uh, Lorna D's fleet specifically, um, the brothers saved, um, so all the members of the family are safe, um, except the father, and he and Loden are captured by the fleet. Um, Loden, like, breaks his leg, and Martian Rowe then sort of reveals that, uh, he was behind everything from the legacy run to Lorna D failing her mission with the flight recorder. He knew everything that was going on, and, uh, he even says to all the Nile, he says, we are all the Republic, whether we like it or not. So he's not, he's not being patriotic. He hates the Republic, obviously. But yeah, he then has, um, uh, Loden, Greatstorm, and, uh, the father of the family in the, uh, in his custody. And they asked, you know, why, why was, uh, the, this father, why is he so important? And he just says, oh, he wasn't. And then just, uh, takes Loden's lightsaber and chops his head off, which was pretty grim. But, uh, yeah, he just says, a Jedi is all I needed. 
Uh, it's, and it's why he took the mission so seriously. Kidnapping the family was like, you know, he didn't care about any of that. He just knew that a Jedi would come save him, um, which I thought that was that was great the way they did that. You know, this whole book, we, we're like, why is this family so important? Like, what, what have they got? And then he's like, no, uh, they meant nothing. But um, yeah, anyway, the hyperspace lanes are open again. Um, I think I forgot to actually touch on it. They, they had to close the hyperspace lanes uh, earlier in the book, which was similar as I'm saying the the real world parallels it's like they even say like hyperspace quarantine which you know obviously we all know uh how that is quite topical in the world right now in terms of quarantines and lockdowns and all that um but yeah Kevin Tarr uh is, he says he's going to re- revolutionize hyperspace which I guess is just doing what uh we see be the the new norm I guess in you know our normal styles content um, but it's super cool seeing the sort of origins of that. I was, I was kind of hoping we would get the Purgle in this book, um, because I feel like, you know, obviously we're, we're dealing with a lot of hyperspace stuff, origins of it and all that. Um, and I think the Purgle are pretty integral to that. So maybe we'll see them in something in the future, but, um, I would have liked to see them in this book, but, uh, oh, well, <laughs> that's, uh, that's my bad. But, um, yeah, the Republic agrees that, uh, the Nihil is not over yet. They're still going to have to go after them, um, because someone was saying like it's all over we destroyed the whole fleet and they're like no like that obviously wasn't all they've got there they're still going to come for us but then finally the starlight beacon uh opens and uh they even say something like uh it's this the this beacon's going to make it easier for the mon calamari and the quarren to like reach a new agreement or whatever and come come at peace or something which uh yeah that's that's a story i'd love to see a lot more of because obviously we see it in the water war arc in the clone wars so you know i'd love to see what was going on 200 years before then because obviously they've been fighting forever which um which they sort of make clear in the clone wars but uh it's cool to see um anyway but the chancellor just talks about how she's feeling good about the future we are all the republic all that stuff but while all that's happening martian rose showing a recording of of the battle to the nihil um and he takes his helmet off for the first time in front of uh everyone for all to see and then the rest of the clan because they all wear helmets they all take them off sort of revealing themselves to each other but most importantly i guess um it's a metaphor for them revealing themselves to the galaxy um but yeah they're going to try and take the galaxy because they're sick of the republic and they don't think that the the republic is allowing enough freedom and that they can only have true freedom if there's like no republic pretty much so um the the eye specifically says you know it was he, he got frustrated with all the expansion because uh the outer rim sort of used to be theirs uh for the taking but now that the republic's going into the outer rim it's going to make things much more difficult for them which uh they're saying is uh, diminishing their freedom which uh obviously isn't true they just <laughs> i don't think running around killing billions of people is is what uh freedom truly is but you know that's why they're the villains he then uh tells everyone that he has an archive of paths that uh lead all over the galaxy which i think by the end of the high republic uh the republic will have their hands on this archive and then that will become uh the new norm and hyperspace will be revolutionized i guess and i'm sure kevin tar will will play a part in that um but yeah mari santeca is still alive i thought she'd die by the end of this book because she she's so old and our, our first introduction to her she has a seizure or something so um yeah but uh uh martian Rowe has an encounter with great storm while he's in prison uh he shows that he's not susceptible to mind tricks his family has you know learned to deal with the jedi um throughout the last many years so uh 
Yeah, but there's something very interesting. He has innocent prisoners all around Load and Great Storm to put him in pain so that he can't think. And uh, without him being able to think means he can't communicate with another Jedi through the Force. So he obviously knows exactly what he's dealing with uh, with the Jedi. He says earlier in the book, I'm not afraid of the Jedi, but I'm not stupid enough to underestimate them. So uh, clearly he isn't. He knows what he's doing. He's thought out this plan for a long time, but uh, he then shows off some purple object that uh, he says he's going to fight the Jedi with, which comes back into play at the very end of the book. But uh, then we're on the opening of the Starlight Beacon, sort of the activation of it. Um, and they even say it's the largest Jedi temple outside of Coruscant, uh, which is quite interesting. They even say it's designed by Pablo Hidalgo, which uh, I think is a, a nod at Pablo Hidalgo from the Lucasfilm story group. But uh, um, yeah, Indira, who's... Um, uh, from the Bell and Loden story is currently uh, Bell's master because Loden's uh, away and he says that he uh, Bell says that he's not going to be knighted unless Loden was there with him um, which is is super sweet and uh, I wonder if going to the next book because Bell's on the front cover I wonder if he'll have been knighted yet or if he's he's going to stick to that um, that you know saying I'm not I'm not going to get uh, knighted unless my master the one that has got me here is with me so um Yes, it's, I think the next book is going to be... There's going to be a, a big rescue mission, I'm sure. Um, anyway, though, uh, there's a lot of Jedi on the beacon. Even Yoda's there. Um, and all their lightsabers uh, ignite as the Chancellor makes a speech. Um, and the beacon is activated. And uh, they even say it's the first of many, which I think in the new Star Wars comic, they say... They talk about, like, oh, the in the High Republic, they used to use these Starlight beacons, um, implying there's a lot of them. So, uh, yeah, can't wait to see, you know, all these beacons... Uh, active throughout the Outer Rim and seeing what that's going to do and the implications that'll have with the Nihil and all that. But then uh, the epilogue, we're finally there. Uh, the uh, Elzar is promoted to Master um, finally, which it was sort of talked about earlier in the book how he never got the promotion because he doesn't explain himself and his sort of weird approach to the Force. Um, and Ava reveals that she's going to be the marshal of the station since uh, Joramali died um, because she was meant to be, uh, as I said earlier. Then as Ava walks away, we are left with just Elzar and he has a terrifying vision of the future of the galaxy, um, everything falling into chaos and loads of Jedi dying and he, he, he like sees purple, which I assume uh, is a nod to the purple object that Martian Rowe is in possession of, which I can't wait to hear more about this. But uh, yeah, the end. That's the book. I just sort of broke down and went through the whole plot of the book uh, there. So um, yeah, wow. That was, a, that was a long discussion. Before I wrap up, I'll just talk real quickly about the comic. The first issue came out. Uh, there's a few new uh, characters as well as recurring ones. Ava, Chris, looks like she's going to be in it quite a bit. Skier, the Trandoshan Jedi, maintaining the, the Starlight Beacon and all that, but uh, yeah, it's very interesting, I've talked for so long, I, I, I'm not going to run through it too much, but I would recommend checking it out if you've read Light of the Jedi and want a bit more High Republic content, but uh, yeah, the, the stories that are coming, the one that I can't wait for the most is The Rising Storm, it's the next adult novel uh, in the High Republic line, I think the main sort of High Republic story is going to be continued in the comic and the, like, the main adult books, like, uh, that I'm not saying it's, it's only for adults. It's just, that's how they're branded. Like there's young adult junior and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I assume the main story is going to be in that. And then there's going to be like 
lot of a uh, lots of uh like side mission higher republics like um a test of courage and i shouldn't say that because i haven't actually read it yet and into the dark and those sort of books um but we'll see what happens but uh yeah i after reading Light of the jedi i've got to say I've, i'm really hoping that we get to see some high republic on uh tv or in the movies something like that because um they've established a great world here um the characters are fantastic and yeah, like it, there's been rumors of a High Republic animation that would be awesome. Um, I think that would uh, that would work really well. Uh, and then obviously the Acolyte's been announced, but that's I think that's set in like the final day, so it won't be uh, until a bit later. So I'd assume we wouldn't see many of the characters that we know from these stories that we're that we're getting now. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm loving this new era of uh, Star Wars content. I can't wait for more. Light of the Jedi was just the beginning, but it was a fantastic start. Charles Soule has done a great job. As I said, it's a 9 out of 10 for me. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. But, you know, that's just about it for, for this week's episode. It was a long discussion. I hope you enjoyed. Welcome to 2021 and, and Star Wars Exchange, you know, the rebrand. Uh, of the podcast but I'm super excited for some of the stuff that I've got planned for this year I'm gonna have lots of guests on there's loads of content coming we've got the Bad Batch Book of Boba Fett um, Star Wars Visions all coming out this year plus loads more High Republic um, yeah I, I, I like if you're someone who's uh, been pretty much just shows and movies um, I totally get that uh, but you want to start reading the books this is a great place to start you know there are a lot of good books out there but um, this is something that I think could really uh, get someone into Star Wars books because it's an example of a great Star Wars book. That just about wraps up this week's episode though. If you haven't already, please drop a like, comment, rating or review depending on how you're listening and subscribe or follow the channel. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at the SW Exchange and Instagram at Star Wars underscore exchange. I'll see you all next time. As always, Thanks for listening. May the force be with you and we are all the Republic.